the game is over. The New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Can't wait. You're listening to the official Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. Welcome inside the official Jets podcast game preview. Ethan Greenberg here alongside Eric Howard. I'm ready for some football. It is football season. Week one, Football season. season. It's upon us. Jets, Bills, Orchard Park, New Era Field, Green and White. So many storylines. Adams and May, McCown, Morton. We're going to touch on them all. Okay. We're going to get to them. We're going to get to Buffalo. We're going to give an in-depth look at... Their team, which is a very different-looking team from a season ago. Of course, the Jets went 2-0 against the Bills last year, Weeks 2 and 17. Very different games even between the two of those. But, EA, this is a new year, a new team. A new podcast. A new podcast. This is the preview podcast that you're going to be able to listen to on iTunes and SoundCloud and get uh, via the website every Friday. And we're going to have... Different guests throughout the year, but exactly. one guest who will remain and will be with us every week is our quarterback, Chad Pennington. And today, our second guest is Mr. Vic Carucci of the Buffalo News. Yeah, who's actually leading us off today, so that's going to be great. So we'll speak to him and in we'll a couple get, minutes. We'll get to him in a couple minutes. But first off, you're going to Buffalo. This is going to be a great. It's going to be great. A great trip. A little homecoming for EA. But we're here to talk football. It's all so. business. This is the first time since 1966 the New York Jets will feature two rookie safeties in the secondary. Jamal Adams, of course, the number six overall pick, and Marcus May, the second-round pick out of Florida. Yes, starting, right, in a regular season game. How excited are you to finally see these two guys play a full game of football? Well, it's great. I, I think we've all been looking forward to this since late April when the Jets drafted Adams with the sixth overall selection out of LSU. A lot of people did not think he was going to be there. You think about Mike McKagan's first draft pick as general manager of the New York Jets. Most pundits didn't think Leonard Williams was going to be there either. So uh, the Jets were so excited to uh, get him. And then in the second round, I know a lot of people initially were like, why get a safety? Well, I'll tell you why you get another safety, because Marcus May was the best player on their board. Also, Todd Bowles loves to use his safeties as a pivotal part in his defenses so we'll get to see how he's going to use these guys here early in week one but uh, they've both been very impressive you know greens you've talked to them both that they've exceeded the team's internal expectations they're wise beyond their years there will be a few bumps along the way but uh yeah it's a new era for the Jets at New Era Field. No pun intended there. That was good. I like that. All right. Now let's go to the 716 and bring in Vic Carucci from the Buffalo News. Vic, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, what have your first impressions been of head coach Sean McDermott and uh, Brandon Bean, both in their first year there with the Bills? Yeah. I My impressions are pretty favorable just in terms of what they're saying and laying out as their program. But right now that's just talk and words. We'll see how it all plays out once uh, once the games are, are played and once the season unfolds. But they both seem to be well-organized men and determined men. They came up through the ranks uh, as, as guys who weren't handed anything. They really earned every bit of what they have uh, in their respective paths to these top jobs as head coach and general manager. 
I, I think there's a high level of accountability that they expect from players, and in revamping this roster, it's it's pretty reflective of the type of characters that they brought in. You're looking at a, a team that went from, well, from the 53-man roster that started last year, 22, uh, only 22 of the players who played in at least one game are left. Wow. And of those, six were draft picks in the Doug Whaley era as GM. So they clearly did a revamping, and as I said, it's it's emphasis on character as opposed to characters, I should say, uh, and and very much a, a an idea that you want discipline, you want to be organized, you don't want a team that frankly in in the Rex Ryan couple of years um, had had committed a lot of penalties and and had too many issues with uh, too ma- too many or too few men on the field. You're talking about new faces on both offense and defense. Obviously, one of the positions on the offensive side of the ball is wide receiver. I mean, traded Sammy Watkins, you get Jordan Matthews. Just What was your impression of the trade, not only to ship Watkins to the Rams, but then to get Jordan Matthews in exchange for Ronald Darby? Yeah, and, and that's led to kind of the perspective that, okay, this is a long-term plan that we've heard preached by Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean that they're trying to build sustainable success. So they've accumulated six draft picks for the first three rounds of the next, of the uh, 2018 draft. And clearly they feel that, that the talent that's going to be available in the draft, if they, if they pick them right, uh, will make this a better team for the long haul. And in terms of the short term, and that's where people are, uh, Bills fans certainly have some discomfort because nobody wants to wait, right? And pay, everybody's impatient. So Don't you, we know it. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you again, it's a very similar, very parallel stories, I think, going on between the Bills and the Jets. Uh, but Sammy Watkins uh, was easily, I think, their best player this side of LaShawn McCoy. And Ronald Darby was a top cornerback, but uh, they are uh, starting over with a receiving core that does have uh, a veteran in Jordan Matthews and, and also Andre Holmes. Uh, but they're very excited about Zay Jones, the the uh, rookie, the second-round pick that they got from East Carolina, uh, 399 career catches in college, so they think he can do some things. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, still there at quarterback, doesn't have the – the, the big play guy that he had in Watkins, but uh, he feels, and I've talked with him about it, he feels he can make things work with what he does have in Zay Jones and the others and Charles Clay at tight end, uh, Nick O'Leary at tight end. So it, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to kind of see how this plays out short term with the idea that, you know, can you have it both ways? Can you, can you have short term success or competitiveness while you're, you're, emphasis is on being good for the long haul. Well, what are your expectations for Tyrod Taylor in the very short term in terms of Sunday's game against the New York Jets and then long term? Do you think he has a chance to be the Buffalo Bills quarterback in 2018? And going back to the first part of my question is he didn't play much in the preseason. He just got cleared uh, from uh, concussion protocol, so he'll definitely get the start. But it's a new offense under Rick Dennison, a West Coast attack, and you know it so well. 
uh, covering him every day is that Tyrod is great on the moves on the move, but it seems to me from the outside struggles uh, throwing the ball over the middle at times, and then you're working in all these new pieces on the outside at receiver. Yeah, you're you're asking a lot of a quarterback <laughs> to have success under those circumstances, as you mentioned. New offense. Now, he did have a year of exposure to Rick Dennison's thinking and philosophy when they were together in Baltimore, when Tyrod was backing up Joe Flacco and Dennison was there as quarterback's coach. But that's different than you know being the starting quarterback and Dennison, of course, being the coordinator. So there's a lot of newness to work through. And remember, Tyrod was also asked to take and had to take basically a $10 million pay cut over a couple of years to remain with the Bills when the market just didn't allow for him to go elsewhere if that were going to be the case. And that might have been the case had another team stepped up because it didn't look like Buffalo was going to keep him at the rate he was, you know, at the rate of his salary uh, that he had signed in August of 2016. So you got that kind of playing out in the background. And Tyrod has told me that, you know, he doesn't know what he did to deserve the cut because his numbers effectively were very similar in in 16 than they were in 15 the short answer might be well you know they wanted you to have better numbers uh from from uh, 15 to 16 but um yeah i think it's going to be a challenge and i think for the short term for this game sunday i think the focus is going to be on seeing how he can work that middle of the field because that's what the west coast attack uh calls for and uh, obviously he's going to have an eye on those two rookie safeties, Jamal Adams and Marcus May, to see what kind of success they can have challenging them with the tight ends and, and with uh, Andre Holmes, for instance, a bigger receiver, Zay Jones, uh, certainly Jordan Matthews, a big guy too, who's coming off of, by the way, a chip fracture of the sternum right. that he suffered 15 minutes into his first practice with the Bills. So I, I think I think the idea would be to – go after those rookie safeties as much as they can. So not only do the Bills have a new offensive coordinator, but on defense with Leslie Frazier taking the reins this year, what are some of the biggest systematic differences from last year? Oh, huge. Um, As you guys well know, the Rex Ryan scheme, uh, the 3-4 base with a lot of substitution, sub-packages, blitzing, and and all the or creating pressure or simulated pressure all those components are gone basically and replaced by a 4-3 base scheme that Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott favor and also uh, require a lot of zone play a lot of coverage a lot of zone coverage that is asking the secondary to do different things and now, if you're asking for what would make what's going to look very different for the Bills, the most dramatic change is the entire secondary. And uh, I, we asked Leslie Frazier about this the other day. He's he's been in this league 19 years of coaching, uh, and doesn't remember when he's come into a season with a secondary where there was no carryover. Like everybody came from somewhere else. So you have the two corners uh, in uh, Tre'Davious White, the first round draft pick from LSU. You have E.J. Gaines that came over from the Rams as part of the Sammy Watkins trade. They're your corners. And then at safety with Micah Hyde coming in as a free agent from the Packers and Jordan Poyer, a free agent from the Browns, um, you're getting these four guys to communicate, to be on the same page. So that will be a challenge, I think, for, for the Bills 
secondary and for Leslie Frazier and those defensive assistants to keep everybody on the same page. Someone on offense that's clearly a staple here is LaShawn McCoy. Very talented, every, you know, one of the best backs, both receiving and on the ground. So how does his skill set translate into this Rick Dennison offense? That's a great question. I'm just going to follow up here, Vic. I think this is the key to the game because for the Jets, they have to maintain their lanes and integrity the rush integrity, not not only against Tyrod Taylor, but McCoy. Yeah, you know, you said key to the game. Uh, let's take it key to the season. Key to everything the Bills do is LaShawn McCoy. Yesterday, or on uh, what day was it? Wednesday, um, Sean McDermott made the comment that, uh, you know, if he has to give this guy, you know, run him every single play or put the ball in his hands every single play, he'll do it because he knows how much he means, McCoy means, to the offense. I, I don't know that that's a smart thing necessarily to do or that he really means that he would do that with a 29-year-old back because you can get the guy hurt or wear him down pretty quickly. But I do think that everything does flow through him as far as this offense. And you mentioned the Denison scheme. It's a, you know, it's a, um, a wide zone type of, of scheme that very much think of what Mike Shanahan uh, did as a, as a coach in this league, certainly his son Kyle, and what he brought to the Falcons. And there, it, it's kind of that same lineage of offensive thinking where you're stretching the defense and you're trying to get a guy to, of course, find those cutback lanes. And LaShawn McCoy is, is really good at that. He's, he's, he excels at that. He's had an amazing camp. He, from the first practice, you saw him with the ball in his hand and you said, wow, I mean, that's, that's a guy, that's an elite, that's what an elite player looks like. Now I'll add that maybe part of the reason he looks so elite in a Bills practice is because I don't know that there was anyone else on the team physically who, who had talent that came close to that. So he's probably made to look even better when he's not surrounded by the, the greatest amount of, I'm talking elite edge talent. Uh, the offensive line, though, has been strong, and this is a team that's led the league in rushing the past couple of years. That is because of McCoy, but it's also because of Tyrod Taylor's running as well. And I think that's another component to think about when you're asking me how the Jets, you know, how, how they can maybe survive that matchup, if you will, of the two running games. From the, from the Bills' standpoint, it's helping to set up the run with, the, the Taylor rushing dimension that can help soften things up perhaps or keep this defense off balance. But I think the simple game plan that the Jets and other teams will follow defensively is load that box and dare Tyrod Taylor to try to beat them throwing the football, especially when he doesn't have a Sammy Watkins to throw to. All right, so every uh, thing as far as the Buffalo offense is concerned runs through Shady, but everything in the 716 – Runs through Vic Carucci. Vic, it's always a treat for us to have you on. You know, I grew up in Orchard Park, read you when I was a kid growing up, and uh, you continue to do tremendous work, and it's an honor to have you on the official Jets podcast, and we look forward to seeing you at New Era Field as the Jets celebrate a new era with their two rookie safeties starting against Tyrod Taylor and company. 
Well, I, first of all, thank you for the kind words. And, and the good thing that makes me feel good and not old is I know that you're only 15 years old now. So, you know, when you were growing up, it was not long ago. Well only said, if, Vic. If, 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 otherwise, I'm the, I'm the real old guy that you read when you were a kid. Uh, but I will say this. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. Uh, I think for all those who sort of look at this game and say, okay, these are two teams that are really thinking about something other than this year, long term, so it could – not necessarily be so pretty in the short term. And that's the common view. We, we all know that the, the rest of the nation has and maybe the fan bases of the respective teams have. But I think it's exciting. Opening day, uh, it's supposed to be a beautiful, beautiful day in Orchard Park, your hometown. And I think the other part of this is the newness. You know, like you said, uh, how will those rookie safeties do for the Jets? How will the rookie corner do for the Buffalo Bills? And, and how is it all going to look when, when a lot of these faces that people don't necessarily recognize wearing uniforms from both of the teams show up? So, like you guys, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see you this weekend, buddy. All right, see you. Green's always great hearing from Vic Verrucci. You know how much respect I have for him. Uh, like I said, I was reading him when I was a little boy, way before your internet days or way before you were at Newhouse. <laughs> but what stands out to you as far as what he just said there? Uh, offensively, you know where the ball is going to go to early in offense. Well, yeah, it's LaShawn McCoy, Shady McCoy. And I thought it was really interesting that he, he said, you said it was a key to the game. And he said, no, 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 it's a key to the season. And for a team that has a lot of new faces on both sides of the ball, especially on the offensive side. He's one of the staples of the offense. This so. is a great test for the Jets' rush defense, and they have to be aware where he he is also when he's coming out of the backfield as a receiver. I think the safeties could play a, a pivotal role in terms of uh, run support as well. All right, let's go down to Kentucky and bring in our quarterback, Chad Pennington, who's uh, – Returning to the official Jets podcast, Eric Allen here in studio with Ethan Greenberg, of course. Chad, what do you think is going on in the mind of Josh McCown? 38 years old. He is the only quarterback remaining from the 2002 draft, and he'll start Sunday in western New York against the Buffalo Bills. Well, Eric, I think he's excited, number one, and I think uh, he is the most important acquisition that the Jets uh, were able to acquire this uh, offseason because he's going to provide some stability. Uh, with a team that there seems to be a lot of instability, uh, especially from a fan's perspective, uh, not necessarily from a coach's perspective or organization perspective, but from a fan's perspective, um, you can be assured that, that Josh is going to provide stability, veteran leadership, really throughout the team, not just on the offensive side, but throughout the team. And so I've been in that situation. I've gone to a team that was 1-15, needed veteran leadership. And so this is a great opportunity. And talking with Josh this offseason, I think he's really excited. He understands specifically what his role is on the Jets. And if there's anybody that can fulfill that role, understand his role, and stay within that role, it would be Josh McCown. So, obviously, in the preseason, you don't play all your cards. What are you expecting from this Jets offense in week one of the NFL season? A lot of moving parts, Jed. <laughs> well, there's no doubt. But, you know, everything in week one, it's, it's such a, a week that you're trying to get a feel for who you are, uh, you know, what uh, guys can do certain things. 
even with the experienced uh, veteran teams, they're still trying to get a feel for who they are and, and establish their identity. And so that first week across the board in the NFL, uh, it, it just kind of goes up and down. It's, it's a roller coaster, and you're just trying to feel your way through. And the ultimate goal in week one is to get to the fourth quarter, uh, barring any uh, disasters, and then have a chance to win and eke out a win. And when I look at this week one matchup between the Jets and the Bills, this game can go either way. And if you're looking for the Jets to squeak out a few wins this year, this has got to be one of them uh, right off the bat where they can get off to a good start. Uh, the Jets can feel good about their progress they've made in training camp. This is a game that they've got to capture. Chad, how difficult is it to prepare for a team, offensively speaking, for the Bills that have a new offensive coordinator in Rick Dennison, they have a new identity with head coach Sean McDermott. Obviously, he's more of a defensive mind. But as a quarterback and as an offense in general, what do you do differently to prepare for a team that, one, has no game film of 2017 and, secondly, has an entire new offense? Well, you have to do a lot of research. You have to uh, research the background of the coordinator. You have to look at other teams uh, that he has worked with before to gather concepts. And so you kind of have to piece your game plan together. You certainly take a look at preseason to get a feel for individual players and individual skill sets. But then you've got to piece your, your game film and your research together uh, to look at concepts and see what concepts does the coordinator like, what concepts has Buffalo been successful with in the past based upon the players that are still there. Try to piece that together. Uh, knowing Coach Bowles um, and the defensive staff, um, they're still going to open it up and, and do some things to, to put pressure. They they don't believe in sitting back and waiting to see. I think they feel like we're going to take and establish the tempo and take our mindset to the offense. So you're still going to see some of that, which is a good thing. Uh, in week one, typically, you want to make sure that everything you're doing does not put yourself in a situation where you're playing unsound or you give up a big play just because of miscommunication or things like that. It is it is strictly a week where you're trying to get a feel for who you are, what you can handle, and you're trying to get to that fourth quarter saying, okay, now let's go. We've got three quarters here. We've made our adjustments. Now let's go put the, the dagger in them. In terms of Shady McCoy, Chad, I know it's going to take a unit's effort, a unit's excellent effort to contain him, but – who specifically do you think has to step up in terms of the Jets' run defense? Well, I think it's twofold. I think, number one, uh, from a defensive line standpoint, when you face a running back like LaShawn McCoy, who is so versatile and dynamic with his feet, uh, the biggest thing you have to do from a defensive line standpoint is to get him to stop his feet in the hole and to slow his momentum down. Once he gets going and he's able to use those jump cuts and spins and maneuvering space, it makes it extremely difficult for the back seven. And so that front four, even though if, even if they don't make the tackle, if they're able to, to stop him, change directions, the more time he changes directions, the less speed he has, the less elusiveness he has. And so it's, it's a corral mentality from a front four. Then in the back end, both linebackers and secondary, they, they have to be excellent at tackling in space. They've got to be excellent at playing under control, playing within themselves, and not 
being out of control because if you're out of control, a back like McCoy will make you look flat silly. And uh, he's excellent in space and, and with the type of cuts and things that he's able to do. So I think it's twofold from a defensive standpoint. Offensively, uh, Johnny Morton has said that I think in today's NFL you have to go by a committee approach at the running back position. We know who the Jets have back there in uh, Matt Forte and Bilal Paul. How do you think the Jets should go about using these guys early in the season, Chad, because they both have fresh legs right now? Well, Coach Morton is exactly right. Uh, in today's NFL, uh, you have to be uh, versatile in the running back group uh, for multiple reasons. Number one, from a game plan standpoint, uh, you've got to be able to present different looks, different matchups, different schemes, take advantage of the different skill sets of your backs to create problems for the defense. Number two, it is about health and keeping your running backs healthy. Uh, they take a lot of hits, not only running the football, pass protection, running routes, all of that, uh, as well as if they play special teams. So um, running back by committee is certainly the way to go, and you really start to target what do my guys do well? What are the runs and the passes and the things? What are their skill sets? Where can I put them in the best position to be successful to help the team? Do you use them on the field at the same time? Absolutely. I think uh, there may be some situations where you do do that. Uh, I think these guys are versatile enough, experienced enough uh, to be able to handle that and be able to be in the backfield. And, and one may be running around while the other is pass protecting or vice versa or lead blocking. Uh, use them in the slot, off the wing, you know, all kinds of different things. I think uh, from a running back's perspective, you know, Coach Morton uh, certainly has options there. Austin Safarian Jenkins is suspended for the first two games of the season, so the Jets went out and they acquired Will Ty off of waivers, tight end from the Giants, 90 receptions his first two pro seasons. Um, do you think it's too early to say it could become a factor in the passing game, or do you focus on packages here early for him? Uh, I, I certainly think that it's going to be packages and, and probably uh, complementary routes. Uh, where uh, he's talking about West Coast, you're talking about shallow crossing routes, um, shallow out routes, seam routes, uh, different things where he's the complementary receiver, the complement to the number one. Uh, I don't know how much you will see where the tight end is the designated number one receiver unless it's goal line short yardage or some type of regular package that I think it would be uh, few and far between. Well, not only Will Ty, but how about Jermaine Curse and Jeremy Curley, who are recent acquisitions to this receiving room. You expect it to be similar to that for Will Ty, Jermaine Curse, and Jeremy Curley, because obviously they all have to get accustomed to this system. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, not everybody can be complimentary, because then you don't have a primary <laughs> and you can't run it. Everybody doesn't get afforded that luxury. I think uh, for Curley and Curse, you're looking at veteran players. You're looking at Curse coming from Seattle, Daryl Bivens, a West Coast-type thinker. Uh, I think some of that terminology probably will be similar. I think his adaptation into the Coach Morton system will be smooth. Curly, a veteran, football, football, he'll have his moment. So uh, it will be just like running back by committee. It will probably be wide receiver by committee asking him to do certain things at certain times. Also having packages where they are the number one. A receiver, but obviously uh, Anderson 
uh, has to pick up the load. We talked in the preseason, and, and he knows that even as a second-year player, he's the leader of that room, and he has to establish his leadership through his actions and his work ethic. Uh, he doesn't have to speak about it. He's got to work extremely hard, show his work ethic, and through his actions on the field and how he leads that group is very important. Well, you brought me to my next point in Robbie Anderson is that obviously last year he had three people ahead of him in Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker, and Quincy Inunua. Now he's the guy. So how will defenses, and in this case, Buffalo's defense, how do you expect them to play him differently? And then on the flip side is how is this Morton's, you know, should it, how does John Morton help Robbie Anderson get some attention off of him? Well, to be honest with you, and I don't think this is any disrespect to Robbie Anderson or anyone, I don't think Buffalo is going to implement any type of double-team coverages. I don't think they're going to implement any type of bracket coverages unless it's just part of what they do. Uh, for instance, teams, when they get into the red zone, they pick receivers to bracket regardless of whether or not they're all-stars or not or if they're proven. Um, just part of their system, part of what they do. So I, I really think that from a passing game standpoint, uh, you're just going to get your basic coverages. Uh, quarterbacks and receivers should know what they are, and it's going to be on who executes better. And so I think Robbie Anderson will get some one-on-one opportunities. What Buffalo will be um, cognizant of and what they will know for sure and what the DBs will be taught this week is do not let 11 get by you that he will run by you. He can flat out run. He's already shown that last year. McCown hit him on a big pass this year in preseason. They know this guy can run. And so that will be, if there's any emphasis in in the defensive secondary for Buffalo, it will be that 11 can't get by. Uh, other than that, uh, I don't think you're going to see any um, specific scheme uh, that you know is targeting a certain player. I think it's going to be, here's what we're playing. Know who you're playing against, understand your roles, and let's just go play football. How excited are you, Chad Pennington, about the debut of these rookie safeties? Jamal Adams, who a lot of people said was the cleanest prospect in the entire draft class. The Jets picked him up at number six overall. They came back in round two and get Marcus May from Florida, a talented Gator secondary, as we all know, Greens. Um, <laughs> how excited are you to see these guys in live action? Well, I'm excited, but uh, I think also uh, you're concerned because um, two rookies started on opening day uh, in two positions that are extremely important when it comes to communication uh, in the secondary. And so, uh, you know, your hope, um, and I'm sure the coaches have talked to them about this, is don't freeze up. you got to go just play ball, and you've got to uh, really understand your skill set believe in your skill set and what you're capable of doing and realize that you're out there for a reason. That's because you are good enough. And are you going to make mistakes? Yes. Uh, no question about it. But let's limit those to small mistakes. Let's don't make mistakes based on communication. Let's, if we make a mistake, it's just because we were outperformed in one area physically, uh, whether you know somebody makes a great play or a great cut. And so the biggest challenge for those two rookies will be the mental communication well, congratulations on uh, your uh, school's win down in Kentucky. You're coaching down there, and everybody continues to follow you up here, so i got to report that you're 1-0 <laughs> as your team <laughs> took home a 14 nothing win. 
and your eldest son, Cole, threw a 60-yard touchdown pass and a stuttering go. So congratulations, Coach. Uh, we're happy about that, and uh, we always enjoy catching up with you and look forward to next week. Absolutely. Hope the Zips can come back from Western New York with a win. Of course, Chad Pennington, wonderful as always. A really different look at how maybe the average fan may view a game or view matchups. So, EA, to close things out here, it's been eight months since the Jets have set foot on a football field in a regular season game. Of course, the last game was against the Buffalo Bills at MetLife Stadium. Yeah, that's right. So, it's been eight your, months of Your football. guy, Dougie Middleton, with the fumble recovery the and the kickoff. The kick six. The kick six. Good times. <laughs> Unfortunately, Dougie's on IR. Right. But uh, a lot of changes on and off the field. This is what we're waiting for. What is the one thing you're most excited to come to fruition on Sunday? Uh, it's hard to go away from the safety screens. I mean, you, you led the show talking about this. And, you know, obviously you have short-term goals, you have long-term goals, and the Jets are trying to do both. They're trying to win now, and they're also trying to build something for the, f uh, for the future. And Mike McKagan has repeatedly stated that we want to build this thing through the draft. So you look at those guys early. Then you look at, I look at all the draft picks. Our Darius Stewart, third rounder, with Curse's incorporation to the offense and Curley's addition, where does Stu kind of fit in here early? Finally, the two things they've stressed throughout the offseason, and you've talked to these guys throughout it, is that we want to play with tempo and we want to protect the football. Those are two things that they got to do in Buffalo. It's an intense atmosphere up there in Buffalo. It and was. Buster Screen told me this week during the locker room that, hey, listen, this is one of the greatest environments in the league. Todd Bowles said it as well. Last year, week two, it was shaking. You were there. Uh, yeah, they'll be ready for it. And, but I think this young Jets team is excited about the opportunity and the fresh start. And let's see what they can do. All right, there you have it. The official Jets podcast game preview. Again, Jets Bills Sunday, 1 o'clock, Orchard Park at New Era Field. We'll see what it looks like. Thanks to Vic uh, Carucci, of course, from the Buffalo News, and Chad Pennington. Chad will be on with Chad us. Chad is our, is our weekly guest with a, a flex guest, in Vic, which Vic Carucci held this week, yep. and he did a, a tremendous job. As always, remember to subscribe on iTunes on your phone. You can check us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, web, the NewYorkJets.com website, wherever you want to do. But again, Jets Bills Sunday for Eric Allen. I'm Ethan Greenberg.